Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plates to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. One of the underlying themes that we try to discuss on Tech Trip pretty regularly concerns what leads to the best overall outcomes for innovation. And this can come in all different forms. One area that I've been really interested in for a while, but haven't necessarily had that much of a chance to discuss or write about, um, even though it's come up in a few different ways, is the question of how do you create companies that can take a long-term view towards innovation rather than a very short-term view uh, focused mainly just on on short-term profits, for example. Now, three separate things have happened recently that all seem to be raising some issues around this question. And so I'm going to mention all three of them here in this intro, uh, and then hopefully that'll lead into a longer discussion just on how do we get towards longer-term thinking uh, within companies that innovate. Uh, so probably the most notable and the one that got the most headlines, I guess, was that the President of the United States um, potentially misunderstanding a suggestion made to him by some CEOs has apparently asked the SEC to look into uh, perhaps no longer requiring quarterly reports on financial performance. Um, this, you know, some people sort of uh, threw their hands up and said, what a crazy idea, but uh, this is something that Australia and the EU and a few other places already have moved to a system of requiring reports every six months rather than every three. And there's some mixed evidence on how effective that is, whether it's good or bad. Uh, it is believed, at least, uh, at least according to some of the reporting, that um, the suggestion that Trump may have misunderstood was actually more about whether or not companies should have to give guidance every three months, um, but should still have to do their financial reporting. Um, either way, it's it's an interesting idea of whether or not the quarterly reporting is uh, is part of the problem. I think for years people have suggested that having quarterly financial reporting uh, as a, a structure by which companies have to operate leads them to think mainly quarterly, uh, maybe one quarter ahead. And that often makes it a lot more difficult to do things uh, in terms of long-term strategic thinking and planning. The second story that somewhat related, and I guess something of a similar approach, was uh, Elon Musk's now famous tweet, for which he may get into some trouble from the SEC, concerning his uh, apparent idea of taking Tesla private again. Now, this touches on, again, the same issue that Trump raised uh, and basically trying to get away from the public company reporting requirements. And as a private company, there are certain advantages in terms of being able to, to do that, to focus on the longer term, though obviously it also comes with some significant restrictions, especially regarding the ability to tap into capital markets to uh, gain some liquidity. 
The third thing uh, is a bit of a different approach that I want to discuss as well, and there's some recent proposals from Senator Elizabeth Warren under what she calls the Accountable Capitalism Act, uh, which, among other things, would seek to make companies um, not solely focused on maximizing shareholder value, uh, which tends to lead to more short-term thinking. So among the proposals were one that would require companies uh, to not only be responsive to the needs of shareholders, but also to customers, employees, and in some cases, local communities. And this would include things like having workers represent 40% of the corporate board, uh, which is another idea that is uh, found pretty commonly in Europe, especially in Germany. Uh, I remember going back years when I was studying, of all things, labor relations, um, spending a lot of time looking at how German companies structured their boards, which is very different than the way American companies do it. Uh, another idea in her proposal is limiting execs from selling stock compensation for up to five years after it was received. Um, I think the part of the idea there is to actually decrease stock compensation, but also has the potential of, of potentially making uh, those who hold that stock to think in longer term ways. Now, there are a lot more to these ideas, and there are a lot of other ideas. Um, but for today's podcast, I wanted to talk about this general issue and whether or not there are ways to get companies to take more of a long-term view. And also, to, to be fair, uh, whether or not that's even necessary. Someone could argue that the way that we are currently structured is, is perfectly good. So for the podcast, uh, we have for the first time in a while, <laughs> our increasingly irregular, regular co-hosts, <laughs> that is Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy. Um, so let's start with the larger question of whether or not this is an issue. Am I, am I overly concerned about the lack of long-term thinking in companies or, um, or do we agree that that is an issue that we should be concerned about? Well, what are the symptoms that make you think that, that there's a lack of long-term thinking in the American market? Oh, gosh. there's I mean, there's there's a lot. But, I mean, you generally look at the actions that companies take in general, um, you know, and it is very much focused on, on maximizing quarterly profits as opposed to, you know, and there are some exceptions, but, but there are exceptions in that they're notable. And, and sort of a famous one is that, you know, for years, and people may not believe this now, but for years, Amazon was getting beat up on Wall Street because Bezos was in a position where he sort of continually kept saying, like, look, we're actually not trying to maximize uh, profits for the shareholders at this point. We're investing heavily back into the company, and they, they still do that. Um, he, you know, he's been able to, to make that work, but they were getting beaten up for, for years on that. And a lot of other companies have certainly caved to, um, you know, long-term thinking or long-term yes. in infrastructure investment, uh, I mean, Wall Street didn't often Google, freaks out about it. Doesn't Google do something unique with, with their reporting? Like, do they not offer guidance or something? Um, like when they first uh, came out or something? Like, that's I, I a there good was question. When they, when they went IPO, that was one yeah. of the things that they had stated that, you know, Sergey and Larry put together this semi-dopey letter saying <laughs> that they, they it weren't going to It wasn't dopey. It was good. It was, it was very, sure. Sure. It was, it was very Silicon Valley. Yeah, I, and and, and idealistic. And I thought that it was very interesting in that... In, I mean, when they did their IPO, they did it in a, in a little bit different manner. And then yeah. even so, when they went out, they were like, hey, 
you know, everyone else is reporting guidance every quarter. We're not going to do that. Um, I haven't really followed up to see. Yeah, that's it's a good question. So I it's not it's mm-hmm. not a legal requirement that you have to give guidance, guidance every quarter. I, I, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you have to do the reporting right, right. now. If oh, you're a I public see. company, but, but you, you don't, don't necessarily have to, have to yeah, give the guidance. But everyone does what, do it, right. right? Most most people do it. And the thing is, though, like if you don't, you know, the the different Wall Street analysts will still sort of do it for mm-hmm. you, and that's um, and that's fine. And I think that you know, if, when I when I heard Google kind of came out with that stance, I was like, actually, why not? Like, yeah, they're like, hey, here's what we made this last this past quarter. Um, you're welcome to make your own projections. We're not. You know, we have our own internal guidance, but. We don't. We we feel like that's guidance, and yeah, but the guidance isn't as much of an issue as the reporting itself, right? At least from from yeah. Mazek's perspective, right? So I think it's kind right. of a dead the, end. The fact that you have to report, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if we have yeah, to. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's not that important. Cadence, but right? but but I guess you know you brought up Google. We, you talked about Amazon. There's other companies like Netflix, Facebook, etc. Right? Like a, a lot of these companies, like I feel like they're pretty long term. If you look at the kinds of projects that they have. Um, these are a lot of them are very moonshotty type of things. Well, so that, I, I mean, those I, those might be I, bad examples. So let me I'll give you a different example that is that is less mm-hmm. moonshotty. So so we'll take Verizon, right? So you know, uh, for a long time, Verizon uh, Verizon CEO was this guy Lowell McAdams, who I think did have that that viewpoint and was willing to sort of take the the sort of moonshotty view. And and part of his you know his view was that uh, we needed to move to um, uh, a fiber uh, network as opposed to you know sort of the old telephone DSL mm-hmm. lines, and he invested heavily, and Wall Street beat up on him like you would not believe, and so like Verizon FiOS exists almost entirely because that was part of McAdams' vision, um, and Wall Street kept beating up on him, and when he finally left. Um, like Verizon basically stopped, right? I mean, they stopped investing in fiber altogether. Yeah, but they, they stopped doing broadband rollouts. Right. Wall Street has continued. I mean, and, yeah, and but just, Mike, that's not that's a very. Verizon. I think that's I think that's a very bad example because why? Telecoms is a very specific kind of a sector where um, it's not like it's a free competition type of a sector, right? So, I mean, as bad as maybe the high tech example is for talking about long termism, I think the telecom sector is a very bad example to stand for short-termism, right? Because you can, as a telecom that has more or less a local monopoly or a local duopoly, you can extract rents from the market regardless of the quality of your network. So in a sense, Wall Street is rational in that aspect of demanding that you don't spend too much money on the network, which you probably cannot monetize any more than your existing network, right? So in that sense, it's a, it's a waste of... Um, it's it's a waste of capital. That isn't that isn't much of a criticism of the structure of American corporate capitalism. I think it's more of a criticism of the telecom sector in the United States, which I I'll agree with you has problems. Right? Um, there's there's probably other sectors where there's other kinds of underlying sicknesses in the market. There's probably healthcare is another one. Right? But if you look if you go out and you look at like I think the economy as a whole, do companies invest in long term projects? Um, I think I think some of the classic examples are things like does Intel continue to build fabs? They do. It's a huge upfront investment, multiple billions of dollars every time they build a fab. Uh, but that's something they do, right? Um, or or cars investing in new automotive platforms. They're on a particular cadence. They're continuously building new platforms and investing in things like driverless technology, etc. When 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 those seem like mature technologies that are worth investing in, like people invest in them. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't see. I guess I. 
I guess I would say, if you think long-termism, the lack of long-termism is the problem in the United States, right? And you think some of these proposals, like Warren's proposal, is the cure, then I think what we should do is we should look at places in the world where those types of corporate governance are reigning, and then just talk amongst yourselves and see if are they more long term than the U.S. Like, did driverless cars come out of the auto majors of Germany, where there is the type of um, you know labor slash management cooperation and management? Like, I no. Did it come out of Japan? No. Like, you see what I'm saying? It came uh, out of the United well, States. Um, uh, that's debatable. I mean, a lot of the, it's debatable. The, the the leading autonomous vehicle stuff initially did come out of Volkswagen, which is a German company. But like, sure, I, w- I would say Waymo probably kicked it off, right? With the deep no, learning stuff. No, I mean, so so VW was first, and they did a lot of the work. Waymo came after them. Waymo's mm-hmm. obviously since surpassed uh, a lot of the effort um, by well by everyone in terms of self driving cars. So so I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but well, what was the Volkswagen project, sorry, that, you, that you're saying? Pre-gated? I mean, if you go back to like the original, um, uh, what was it that, that they did the, the, was it the XPRIZE that they did the, the, um, the big autonomous vehicle test? You know, it was like whoever could. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was one of the original, the original yeah. XPRIZES, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like VW was sort of like the leading player in oh, that. Yeah, and actually okay. Google at that time partnered with the VW team. Um, mm. to do theirs. And that was before Google had their own self-driving project. I mean, this is getting into mm, the yeah, nitty-gritty sure. of, of history of a specific thing. But, um, the, you know... The, the DARPA challenge, that's what it was. The yeah. DARPA challenge. I, I was like, mm. I had some name. I couldn't remember what it was. Um, and so... Or, or say electric cars then, right? Like, sure. I mean, I mean there's, there's a number of things. Like, why, why is it Silicon Valley capital that's the one doing the most aggressive investment in electric cars? Why wasn't it the capital of a place like Honda. Yeah, and, or, and of or, course, or but there, I mean, there have been a whole bunch of questions and there still are lots of questions around electric cars and, and, and investment in that. And right, I mean, you know, this is part of the reason why Musk says Tesla should go private because he's getting hit from the from Wall Street and there's all these sort of short sellers and, right. and lots of I mean, of it's, isn't are, Tesla's like the most shorted stock or something right now? Yeah. It's just In the insane. U.S. market. In the U.S. Yeah, market. Yeah, and... Like, and you know, there is this this pressure where, you know, Musk has clearly and, you know, I, uh, he's not someone who I always agree with. As we had a podcast recently where I, I completely disagree with him, but I agree with him on uh, where he, he does seem to have really taken a very long term strategic viewpoint and he's getting beaten up by it right. um, by Wall Street. And so, you know, and, and now you can argue like all of these examples are cases where, you know, you do have like the, the strong executives who are basically defying Wall Street. You know, that was the Amazon case as well and so maybe our system is okay people scream about it and and maybe it's not that big of a deal but you know yeah but you have to i mean the thing to understand about the about the um tesla situation is i think when you look at wall how wall street has treated tesla first of all it's not like the stock is low the stock is extremely high and it's from those commanding heights that wall street is asking for a short Right. It's not it's it's no way in no way, shape or form rationally linked to anything to do with their existing business or even perhaps their business projected five years out. It's it's an extremely highly valued stock. And that actually reflects the fact that some very large investors, institutional investors, despite what the rest of Wall Street says, has a lot of faith in Elon Musk and they hold on to their holdings to the extent that when Elon Musk said that he was going to take Tesla private, these large institutional shareholders complained. They said, like, look, by our charters, we can't actually hold illiquid 
shares in a private company. We would have to relinquish these shares, but mm-hmm. we actually believe in the company vision. So we don't we don't want the company to go private because we would have to give up the positions that we really don't want to give up, meaning that they believe in the valuation of the company as it stands now and will presumably, if the company does not go private, continue to hold those shares. So if there's a portion of the market that has lost faith in Tesla, I think that's just a given tug of kind of any capital allocation system. If you don't have that push and pull, then I think that would be a problem. Because certainly I think all three of us can agree that there's definitely some rational uh, reasons to doubt the long-term vision sure. of Tesla, right? There's, mm-hmm. They have strong competitors. They've had they have strong competitors. They've had delivery hiccups, right? It hasn't. CEO himself has done some rather erratic things on Twitter <laughs> recently, right? Right. And so all of those things together, I mean, obviously there needs to be an impact. You can't isolate sure. yourself from that. Sure. These are, and I don't think that's uh, an indictment of the whole mm-hmm. U.S. capital system. I think that's that's something to do with Tesla. No, I, I, I mean, and you could probably pick out, you know, pick reasons why every one of these examples is, is something different. But I think I, I, I still feel like we keep seeing a lot of them. And maybe maybe it's just confirmation bias that I'm seeing. But, you know, so like I definitely see this also in the pharmaceutical space. And now you can say that that's also like heavily regulated and there are all sorts of issues there. But, you know, you can see, you know, th- there's like uh, I, I don't have it at the, the tip of my fingers, but. You know, there's a famous uh, quote from like 70, 80 years ago or something um, (laughs) about, you know, from a CEO from I forget. This would be much better if I actually had the quote (laughs) at my fingertips. Um, But the CEO of a pharmaceutical company basically, you know, talking about like first and foremost, the most important thing for this company is that we are, you know, keeping people healthy. Right. And, you know, at at some point I had completely compared that to a quote more recently in which the the now CEO of that same company or maybe it was a competing pharmaceutical company was basically like we make drugs for rich companies because that's that's all that matters because rich they, countries rich, rich, rich countries sorry rich countries yeah. uh, because that's all who can afford us and, and give us the profit level that we need um, and and that's a very different approach than you know than what was happening right. 50 60 70 years ago um, you know and that's not to say you know and 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 you know you can argue that there are benefits to, to one approach or the other and that it's led to more investment in one way or another but it, I, I it feels like the focus and and if you look at like and we we had this conversation separately about you know pharmaceuticals and like patents and, and questions around that but like you know the the focus of pharmaceutical companies these days is very much on short term sort of what can we lock up with a patent for you know in order to charge a crazy monopoly rent for as long right. as we can or even mm-hmm. after the patent how can we lock it up in some way to get a monopoly rent as opposed to sort of a longer term strategy of how do we build a business around keeping people healthy and alive and and safe or whatever and so you know i mean i think i feel like we've discussed this in a previous podcast before with like you know there are corporate structures that people are trying to basically communicate to the world that they have other objectives other, other than generating shareholder value or generating profits, right? Like there's like the B Corps and, and isn't, sure. isn't, isn't that kind of the job of, you know, the investor relations or the CEO for that matter to be communicating to this, just to the street that like, Hey, you know, we're not just about profits and there's nothing kind of stopping them from doing that, right? Like when, when Bezos was out there saying, Hey, we're not focused on, on short term 
you know, on short-term profits right now because we're building a lot of infrastructure. We're reinvesting in Amazon. Like that was the message that he was going out there with. And right. his stock price was depressed because of it. But his long-term investors heard that message, hopefully, and, and saw, saw you know, Amazon 10 years ago as a great value, which, you know, obviously it turns out it was, right? Sure. Like, so so and, isn't and, that already there? And, and I think that's, that's a completely fair and valid point. You know, I think that works in the cases where you have, you know, somebody like a Jeff Bezos who really does have control over the company, right? Yeah. Or, or you know, and that's also why it's true of the Googles and, and Facebooks of the world. But there are a lot of companies that are not like that, who really sure. are, you know, in the control of of whoever's holding the, their stock. Um, and so they're much less able to do those kinds of things and to take that kind of stand against uh, you know, uh, against the the you know Wall Street position. I think part right. of and, and maybe there's an underlying issue here, which is is well, then why know, go public, right? That's that's well, and, and then, then there's a whole other structural issue there, yeah. which is you know you know the way we to some extent sort of force companies to go public. And of course, you know what we've seen certainly is that like tech I mean, companies have been trying huge, to wait yeah. longer and longer before going public. In fact, like and you know, there's when, a huge amount of capital now. Red, like the the whole right. private equity market is is hap, is happy to basically fund what what you know ten twenty years ago there you would, the only place you would go to, for that much money right. would be the public markets right and right and, but, and by the way if if, yeah. if we don't like that and I think there's good reasons why we shouldn't like companies staying private that long right because yes. you and I the Joe Schmo investors can't access those deals right that that's the other right. thing that's then, the then these, you, you're sort of for the the really wealthy exactly and these kinds of proposals only make country uh, companies even more recalcitrant right like they, they're not going to want to go public they're just going to be like whoa that's just too much problem I really don't want to have to make running my company into a democracy right like I don't want to have to put 50% of the board uh make it like private well i mean yes and no right i mean there are different arguments there and and but i mean you know you could see a situation where companies realize that that a company that has you know uh employee representatives on the board in some way or another is probably a better place to work and therefore they may be able to attract better better employees and now you can sure, argue I mean, you can argue that they could do that today already exactly. and and therefore but again that's an area where you know Wall Street would be less enthusiastic about that. And I've and I've had these discussions recently where yeah. like, you know, uh, somebody was telling me recently basically like they were disapproving of, you know, there've been all these stories recently of workers at tech companies who have been sort of standing up to um like you know, Google with Project Maven, where they're doing stuff with like Defense Department drone stuff, right, or right. Amazon with uh, I forget they were working with ICE or whoever it was, um, Microsoft. All these employees standing up, and somebody was really upset that like the companies were were caving to these people. Um, but you know, there's a response where it's like, if you want to get the best employees, and this is what the employees are saying about the company, then you know, maybe it is you, you better for the long-term yeah. yeah. strategy of the companies. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Like, so does Google exist now? It does. And, and it seems that they do cape to the employees in that sense. So in a, in a way, culturally and institutionally, they, they have a way to respond to that. It's, it's just a marketplace for labor, right? And I can, I can see that people are saying like, hey, like, you know, this is not happening organically in other companies. So let's force it by legislation. But I, I think people don't appreciate how that could potentially make the other problems that we've discussed worse. If you, if you think that an institutional shareholder, like a pension fund, 
is too short-term in its thinking with regards to demanding profits from a CEO or from a company, then what do you think the uh, employees are going to be like? They, they certainly do not have a long-term view of returns from a company and, sure. and it's a, because they're thinking about their next paycheck and sure. my kid has to go to college and I'd like a dividend right now. Like that's their perspective. Sure. And, and, and you can certainly point to all the examples of, of where unions have, have bankrupted companies, right? I mean, where it's created created problems in a different direction yeah. um, and so I, I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying specifically the idea of, of workers being you know heavily represented on the board I think I, I also have issues with how that that sort of divides up uh, you know goes back to what I think is sort of an antiquated view of like workers and company being workers versus at, yeah workers at odds me. with each other <laughs> yeah. um, and and therefore you know you have to sort of force them not to be um, which which is it can be a little bit strange and, and not entirely accurate of how, how the, the, the thing about these proposals today. that mm-hmm. I think is, is the most troubling to me is that almost every one of the proposals, if you just talk about it and bandy it back and forth a little bit, you see that there's like huge conceptual holes in it, right? Like you set up a problem, then you talk about what the solution is and the solution just doesn't seem to fit the problem. Right. Like if we're talking about long term, I I don't even know if Elizabeth Warren basically said that, hey, an answer to law to short termism is is uh, workers on the board. Maybe that wasn't what she said. I think she probably said something more along the lines of that's helpful to just make companies more responsive to society as a whole. Right. Yeah. And and she's probably she's she's probably right in that in, in a way. But I think there could be like. Uh, unthought of consequences, right? Like when you when you have fifty percent of of a company board, um, the the, uh, the proposal is, for, is forty percent, by the way, not 50, sorry, whatever, whatever 40, it is, yes. forty. It's a high number, right? Yeah, you essentially will have to have a CEO that is. Uh, he, he basically, it's it's not really going to be a company that's run purely for their shareholders, right? It's it's not going to be. So so there's a couple of outcomes from that, right? Like one is. Um, the, do American companies remain as as interesting places to invest capital? Maybe they will. Maybe they will. But if you look at like places like uh, Germany and France, right? It's not like they're a hotbed of new IPOs every year, right? Like there's a bunch of established companies that have been around for like 75 or 100 years that have huge industrial bases and they're their centers of research, et cetera. And they're like kind of like these, these uh, um, impregnable sort of citadels of, of, of in the marketplace, right? Like, like BMW and mm-hmm. the Mercedes group, et cetera, right? But you don't see like a lot of new companies like Google just arriving all of a sudden 10 years later, they're conglomerates, right? Like that just sure. doesn't happen. And we should be prepared in such a market, especially given the consolidation in the market, right? Like in the early 90s, like I think the mean sales of companies in the United States market was about like $200 million, now it's more than half a billion. That's the mean sales of companies in the U.S., like across all markets, right? So companies are already consolidating and becoming sort of uh, behemoths, and that are uh, which you know, which you know, inevitably demand you know, dominate markets and create other problems. The thing that makes it harder for capital to go, uh, not I shouldn't say makes it harder, but makes capital less interested in investing in companies as an opportunity, as an investment. Uh, will will only make the problem worse, right? Like I think, I think you should you should think about the shareholder interest not because we're trying to make rich people richer. That of course might be an outcome, but because 
by allowing capital to flow to enterprises freely and leave enterprises freely and to sort of take the primacy of interest in those enterprises, we basically make it so that uh, capital flows with less friction in the economy. And that ultimately might be more beneficial. I don't know, right? I haven't done the research on it, but I suspect like there's definitely some good outcomes from 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 that sure. type of a setup versus yeah i i mean i i don't disagree with you i think that that may that may be true i think i mean isn't isn't that the point of any regulation though it's like hey you know we could have no regulation whatsoever but we we could essentially try to make some stand i guess some stances in what we want for our society and for our company and i'm not necessarily like saying elizabeth warren's proposal is good or bad but just in in kind of briefly looking at it like i think the proposal is meant to, I guess, at a very high level theme, provide more, I guess, accountability to the workers. Um, and I kind of get that, right? Like, uh, right now, as a private company, you're allowed to to make a stand yourself. But if you're standing alone, it makes it very hard to compete. And, you know, it's more expensive. But if you kind of level the playing field and make that a requirement of some sort, then, you know, it does kind of push the entire, the entire, you know, sector like of corporations towards that goal if we do, if we as a society decide that's an important thing right and i and i hear what you're saying hirsch in terms of like what type of of drag does it place on you know german and, and french investment um because they have all of these other types of governance structures in place and like i don't i guess we don't know you're right like small small decisions like that or it's a pretty big one but decisions like this definitely have long-term impacts that, that are a little bit unforeseen. And I guess, like, I, 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 guess I, I don't, you know, don't necessarily know. even need to focus too much on, on like Warren's suggestion, which I think is, you right. know, in, in some ways sort of, you could argue that her suggestion is sort of the polar opposite to Trump's suggestion, right? Yeah. Where, you know, Trump is sort of giving the the you know executive staff more control and Warren's is giving the giving the, the workers, workers more, yeah. more of a say. Now, and I do agree with your us versus them thing. I don't necessarily like that. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, I guess well, we'll let's let's talk about Trump's proposal. What is he saying concretely? I mean, he, he just, very rarely says he just anything. said it twice, anything twice a year concrete. instead of four times. a year. Well, he says have the SEC investigate, <laughs> you know, whether or not it, it's more, you know, more appropriate to get a, get rid of quarterly reporting. And I think everyone sort of assumed he then meant, you know, a similar system to what they've implemented in the EU and Australia, in which it's the reporting is sort of every six months, except, you know, a lot of those companies are listed uh, in U.S. And stock exchanges. So in they which report they quarterly, anyway. quarterly anyways. Um, but there, there is a question of like, you know, what, what is it, you know, if you're reporting quarterly, how focused are you on, 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 you know, hitting those numbers and doing things that, that are sort of short-term perspective. And if we go back to like the, the whole concept of like, you know, disruptive innovation, right. And, and part of it being that, when a disruptive innovation comes along, the reason that incumbents have so much trouble recognizing it and doing anything about it is because they're sort of so stuck with the structure that they've set up to profit from initially, they can't give it up to make the necessary adjustment to... to and if it go. takes you more than a quarter to make that adjustment, it's really difficult. Right. There's no easy way to do that. And you look at like, you know, like a company like Kodak, which I think realized... Right a long, long time ago that digital was the future, but couldn't significantly invest in that because of its cash cow film business for, for you know, for so long, made it really, really difficult for, for that company to, to make that move. And so, or, you know, or you make the move so that it's, it only takes a quarter, 
right? Like, I mean, yeah, uh, but that's, I mean, that, that that's not possible. No, right? but I mean, I, really I, is, that. is that really a limitation that public markets place on companies that they insist that transformations happen in a, in a, in a quarter? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you look at, you know, so, so you, you can say yes, what you want. Yes. You, you know, can and, be like, and, hey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at like, you know, another area where we've definitely seen this is in uh, the question of like, TV companies right. where there was all this question about cord cutting. And for the longest time, like Wall Street demanded that the TV companies ignore cord cutting because they're like, nah, you know, you would have to invest in, you know, internet streaming and all this kind of stuff. And it's big capital yeah. investment and it's totally not worth doing. And, and they're, you know, cord cutting is a, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And they kept saying that and kept pushing these companies against actually investing in, you know, yeah. innovative internet so services. So let me ask you something. If you're an analyst and you understand that cord cutting is important, you tell your clients, you tell the investment arm that you're connected to that this is the company that's undervalued, the one that's investing in cord cutting that everybody else is too stupid to recognize. You can't tell me that the entire market of analysts is so stupid. I mean, these people are smart guys, right? <laughs> the, like, the, no, it's not. It's not. It's, it, but, but the incentive structure is based on, on those quarterly reporting, right? And so like – you, you, the incentive structure is not like how well will this company do five years out from now. I, I, I disagree. I mean, there's huge groups of, of investors like Warren Buffett's company and 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 uh, what's it called Fairfield or Fairview, the one out of Canada. I can't remember the name off the top of my head now. Um, I mean, these, there's companies that specifically target enterprises that are undervalued, and they'll either take them private. And give them the room to grow, like they did with like Dell, or or they will buy up a huge chunk of a public company. I think didn't Warren Buffett buy a big part of Coca Cola or Pepsi or one of these because he thought it was undervalued? Uh, I mean, they, they do that, right? And and they profit from it. They profit from it handsomely. So yeah, I, but I, usually, usually when you look at those companies, what they do when they profit from those things ha handsomely is strip it down to its parts and no. and, and sell it off. There's not that many cases of companies that have been taken private in order to become super innovative and then and then come back out. There <laughs> right, there right. may be a few exceptions, no, uh, but most of those are are, no, but are stripped Buffett down and didn't sold take didn't take Pepsi or Coca Cola private. He just simply took a a share of them and then watched his investment grow. Or when he when he yeah. took the you know like same with Goldman Sachs. He bought a big chunk of Goldman Sachs when it was undervalued after the um, after the after the housing crash. Right, like. You, if the market is stupid enough to undervalue something, that's an opportunity for people to invest. And I don't, sure, I, I don't think all the capital in the world is stupid, right? Like it's not. I, and, and this, this, like it, it, this ties back to the Tesla thing, right? Like, there's a lot of capital that that really believes in Tesla and will hold the shares. There's a floor to how far the short can fall, right? Like, there's people that believe in holding it, right? In sure. holding Tesla, and and. I don't. I don't think the floor is like three dollars. It's not like everyone's going to run. This is a going concern. They're building cars. They have fans. If if it falls, like twenty five percent, that's going to be a buying opportunity for these people that really believe in the long term vision, right? It's not. It's not. Uh, and I mean, that's not to say that the market is always irrational. I'm not. I'm not that naive. Uh, but but I, I. But I think these these. Sometimes that this these concerns are kind of overblown. And where and where they and where we do see. Like really irrational behavior, from or what appears to be rational behavior from Wall Street, like perhaps with that cord cutting thing. I don't know. There might have been something else behind that. I think we often see a market that has either barriers to entry 
or you know, or, or large moats that protect existing profits, or some rational reason to believe competition will be halted by something that's you know outside the market, right? Um, uh, right? You see things like that, or or that there'll be political intervention, right? There's there's all these kinds of other factors on other axes. I mean, there's that, always going to be other factors. I mean, but I, I still. But think those are the problem then. Right? <laughs> those other factors, right? <laughs> Those are the problems. I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, but I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're uh, all right. Maybe, maybe, but l- so let me let me let me throw the curveball in here, which is this idea that I've toyed around with in my head for a long time that I, I think would be a better approach mm-hmm. than quarterly reporting, and it's actually kind of daily reporting. That's exactly what. Oh, I'm really? It's, it's, <laughs> it's exactly the yeah, opposite right. of the Trump approach, and and yeah. my thinking on it, right? Like at first. Glance, and so it's it's sort of I sort of considered it more of a radical transparency kind of thing, yeah. right? At, 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 at first, you might say, well, that that would be even worse, right? Because now you're saying every day they're going to come. That means you open your books essentially, right? You're basically opening your books entirely. And my yeah. thing on this is then you don't have that sort of quarterly bump where everyone's focused on the quarterly Right, number. and then there's no such thing as insider trading. There's not, there's there's no, not right. three everything months is, worth of missing information. Is, yep. Everything yeah. is public mm-hmm. information. Now, obviously, there are all sorts of other questions about that and competitors and all, all, all that, yes. But setting that aside for now, mm-hmm. conceptually, if you think about it, or you know, it doesn't have to even be daily, right? I mean, it could be real-time effectively. Yeah, why not? You should yeah, just turn, turn the systems inside out. And everyone radical can look transparency. at it. I like it, it. It's a it's a radical transparency thing, and mm. then you don't have this, you know, you, you're not so focused on the quarterly period of time in which. In well, you which can if you want. Happen. If you still want to be quarterly sure. focused, you're allowed to. Sure, but but, but you know, I, I I kind of like that idea, and I think it it's sort of it's a it's a little bit of you know flipping the script a little bit, but actually could make companies in a position yeah. to take more long term bets. You know, who it reminds me of a little bit. I don't know if. Uh, you remember Woot.com, the original Woot. Now it's actually Mad.com. Like they report in real time the amount, the number of sales they have at every single product every day on the bottom of every page. And I think that mm-hmm. that's amazing and awesome. And imagine if we had that kind of transparency for every company and every company's products. And, yeah, and I mean, to some extent, like you see that with crowdfunding. I mean, it's not yeah. quite the same thing. You're sort of approaching it in different ways, but like crowdfunding sort of revolves around that kind of level of transparency, which in, in an amazing way sort of makes people buy into it even more um, as opposed to sort of the blind uh, setup. But would there so, be, there's no SEC rules over if someone, if a company decided that they wanted to do this, that I have no idea, and I do wonder if that. Really? I mean, huh. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would right. work uh, under yeah, I mean, SEC I, rules. I don't know. I really like it's kind of like uh, that company Buffer, who did radical transparency on their uh, employee uh, salaries, right? Right, like, right. Or like Whole Foods did that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I dig it. I don't, <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Hersh, you're you're now being silent on this. <laughs> I like Mike Mazik's radical new plan of daily or, yeah, radical well, transparency. I mean, I think I think it's I think institutionally that's actually a much more healthy way to be. Um, okay. I think it, it's a tough sell, right? Because <laughs> yes, number, right. I'll, I'll grant you, it's yeah, a tough it's, sell. <laughs> I think if you started a company from scratch and from day one you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, institutionally you'd be able to do it i think the investors uh, see one of the reasons companies like to keep things private is Mm -hmm. well there's a couple one is obviously competitors they don't want to give competitors information about where they're investing and what they're doing but two is they actually want 
the market to be more optimistic about the company sure. than perhaps has a right to be, right? So they don't. They, yeah, but then that, but that gets destroyed every three months when they do the quarterly yeah. reporting, right? Well, they're hoping they like. Wait, if, wait, if, why if, would you if, want the market to be more optimistic? Because you want to be able to raise more money for less shares. I mean, it's bottom line, and and they like to keep the. But it doesn't the, it get reset every time you you say what's happening. Yeah, but the thing is, is that. What they hope, and this is the hope when they're managing these things, is the disaster happens in the middle of the quarter, and by the end of the quarter, we clean it up, right? Like that's kind of like the cadence of these things, right? Like if you think about like a like a well, that's a, why I mean you've seen all those stories too, right? Like all the scam stuff where like everyone would ship right. stuff out of a warehouse on the last day of the quarter just to make the numbers and then deal with the fact that they all get returned the, ne- know, the next day, yeah, the next day. And so yes, that allows you to play when, games when yeah. you're doing it quarterly. So so it it might actually be a really good thing. Uh, you'd have to think uh, this. So here's another couple of downsides. One is it will require a huge different set of software tools and accounting tools than what we have right now. It smells like and, well, and, yes, it's a huge no, opportunity. But but, but but right, but but I also think like most companies, especially larger companies, do have that information. They do have dashboards right. that provide that information internally. You would not have to make major I, I would changes. Say, yeah. <laughs> I think most, no, you, most corporations are, s- are on a daily close, right? In terms yeah, of they're closing yeah. up their books. Uh, larger corporations. Large, larger not, not small larger com- corporations. Definitely not small companies, right? So, <laughs> no, but even you'd be surprised. Somebody was just recently telling me about a very large Fortune 500 company. That's that not was on doing, a daily close? That, that was doing its strategy. It's, it's, uh, strategic planning using a giant spreadsheet a giant excel <laughs> spreadsheet and it was like gigabytes the spreadsheet and it would take like five minutes to load on like a super high-end pc that's, and that's it was not necessarily surprising but yeah, yeah but it's insane like it, it, they don't have real-time feeds coming in into some kind of model that's running on a, a bank of servers it's like one pc like what happens if there's a bug in this excel? how do you even debug that like it's just insane the, i think the little <laughs> yellow triangle a uh, little yellow thing pops up <laughs> all right but, guys <laughs> so so clearly companies aren't ready for that i mean you think about the y2k bug but i think there's an opportunity you're right like for a company to, to be like cool to combat short-termism which we think is bad and toxic we're going to go radical transparency and we're just going to you know on a daily basis here's here's our here's our earnings and or whatnot would the market punish them or reward them for that i i'm not sure i, I don't like, know i feel like, i mean shouldn't the market at that point be a perfect signal <laughs> <laughs> given full full information i mean uh, you know it's interesting yeah, too because if, if, if you look right. right i mean there there are huge businesses that are basically based on trying to you know figure out some sneaky way to figure out how how companies are doing you know right. between quarterly reporting and that like would, they're trying to stretch that that arbitrage out where they're like cool you know we know something that Everyone right. else doesn't know. Like, right. why, I mean, you why have give all these, like, money? Yeah. you know, companies who are, are buying time off of satellites to see shipments from here to there to try and estimate how much right. this particular we'll company tell is you. selling. Right. And if you just open that up and tell you and then you're evening out the playing field and, and you know, not allowing it to just be sort of like Wall Street insiders who are getting this information. Because I feel like that does, – does that speculation help anyone? Yeah, Wall Street. <laughs> right. It doesn't help the company. No. The, the fact that the, the the Wall Street thinks something that may or may not be true doesn't feel like it helps the company. Well, con- conceivably, it can if you're playing certain games, right? But okay. but uh, I don't think that helps long term. Yeah, and that's where we, we're here to build long term sustainable businesses. Exactly, right? that was the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> so 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 maybe uh, maybe Maznik's suggestion isn't too bad. Then. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I got you guys to agree. 
<laughs> I started asking. Week. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I just kind of figured that that one. It, it'd be an experiment. I'd like to see someone try before we like. Sure. Sure. Legislatively, say. Yeah. No. I mean, and there could be all sorts of uh, you know other consequences. Maybe Elon Musk like will try that. it. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Yeah. He'll just post every day how many how many how many Cecils he they finished. I, I wouldn't put it past him, right? <laughs> to, like, I mean, that's what that everyone's kind of watching right now. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he's he strikes me as the type of guy that likes to sell a lot of hype, and if and if there's like yeah, blowtorch. I have a I have a hat. Um, full disclosure, <laughs> I have a hat um, from the boarding company. I did not did not buy it. Didn't didn't buy, did the, not buy a flamethrower. The flame the um, not a flamethrower. It's not a flamethrower, but but I do have a hat. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So who knows? Anyways, that's my suggestion, and uh, if anyone wants to to make it happen, let me know. <laughs> Elon, looking at you. That's right. Um, but I do, I, I, I do actually wonder whether or not that would cause problems with the SEC in some weird way. But I, I really don't know. I don't know. I mean, what happens to like if there's a glitch or a mistake or you report something wrong? Um, you say right, the next day we got it wrong. Yeah, isn't that right. what you're supposed to do? Yeah, but you know there are. Yeah, these are. That's right, man. Like you probably can't do it under the current legal regime because you have when you make these kinds of communications, they need to be scrutinized. Right. You just have that disclaimer, like these are not forward-looking statements. Blah blah blah. Whatever that that disclaimer is. Hershey, the lawyer, is that is that good? <laughs> I, I have no idea about that stuff. I'm not that kind of a lawyer. Don't worry, we'll be back tomorrow with an updated report if, that, if today's is wrong. Right. I mean, I think I think there would have to be a lot of changes just in terms of how everyone views these things, right? And but that's you know part of the goal of this kind of setup would be that, right. you know, you wouldn't necessarily have. And the other thing is, if since you're reporting every day, like one day's worth of news shouldn't move the stock, right? Exactly. Like an insane amount. Like, hey, what what happened today? It's like, well, kind of, sort of the same thing happened yesterday, except for this tiny bit different. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. That's that's my proposal. I think I think you know. I think there's something interesting there to explore, and and hopefully somebody else listening to this podcast thinks that too. But I'm glad I convinced both of you. <laughs> All I right, like it. Cool. All right, excellent. Dennis approved. Um, with that, I think I'm going to end this podcast. Okay. So, unless you guys have any final words on on long term innovation strategy. No. Oh. Let's not start another quarrel now that we've ended all <laughs> now that we've all now that we all agree. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thanks guys for for joining the podcast. It's good to have you back on the podcast after a little hiatus where we've all been kind of busy. Uh, and thanks to everyone who's been listening. And we'll be back next week. Bye. 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 Grab a shovel and dig up the